0: Come on, I don't know about you, but I'm excited for what God's doing in the house. Hey, one more time, can we just give it up for our amazing worship team? Come on, what an amazing set. Man, we could have just kept going, but I am excited. We have a very special guest. Uh, This is something we do at our church. We call it Friends of the House. Everybody say Friends of the House. house. And so today we got a new friend of the house, and I'm honored and humbled that uh, he made his way all the way from New York City to be with us. If you don't know, we got Pastor Chris Durso tonight, and if you don't know who Pastor Chris Durso is, he is an incredible preacher, incredible leader, but even better husband, better dad, and uh, I've been following Pastor Chris probably from afar for about 10 years now. Uh, A lot of people follow him from afar. He's got a pretty big social following and just the man, and uh, I was able to meet him in October, and just the, the way... Uh, He has been able to speak into my life just in these short three months, and honestly, in this church, and uh, his heart to even come, and I remember when we were talking, we were in Palm Springs, and he was saying, hey, man, uh, I know you're changing the name. Let me come right after the name change, and uh, let me help you build this thing, and I was like, you sure? Like, little Lathrop? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I am just incredibly honored. And Pastor Chris, I am grateful for you, friend. And I thank you. And so do me a favor, family, stand to your feet. And let's welcome up Pastor Chris Durso. Come on, let's give him a warm home church welcoming as he comes and brings the word this evening.
1: Man, that is, that's more than enough for me. But come on, if you love Jesus, can we give Jesus a loud standing ovation? Come on, we are all the grateful people out. You wouldn't be here without the grace of God. Man, remain standing if possible. Remain standing just for a few more seconds. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Absolutely honored to be here. And To be honest with you, I've just been praying and leading in on what it is the Holy Spirit would want me to speak and what he would want me to share. And, and as I'm praying and as I'm even feeling out this moment, I'm just, I have this sense. I have this sense that God is going to show up tonight in a way that he's going to demand something of you that you might not have had on the table before. He might be asking you for something tonight that that might have been a non-negotiable, might not have even been a consideration. And tonight, here's my... Here's my humble request that you would lean in and you would respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Not necessarily to the preaching. Now, if you want to shout, you shout. You want to take a lap, take a lap. But bigger than all of that. I would ask that you would make yourselves available to hear what it is that the Holy Spirit would be speaking of you and, and challenging you, and because I just, man, I have this sense that God's about to breathe on this, on this house in a great and mighty way, and I'm not just talking about tonight, I'm just I'm talking about what he's doing through this church and what's, what's about to happen next, but what's about to happen next, a lot of it is going to be dealt with tonight. Now, before I get into any of that, uh, I believe in honor. And I believe that it's always appropriate to honor. And let me just break down why that is. You know, the Bible lets us know that when Jesus was in his own hometown, he couldn't perform any miracles because of the lack of faith and the lack of honor. That means somebody showed up to the home where Jesus was and didn't get what they needed because of pride. I don't know about you, but I do not have the luxury of flying back home the same way I came. If Jesus is in the room, I want everything it is that he has for me. I want, if there's a miracle in the room, right, I want it. If there's blessing in the room, I want it. If there's healing in the room, I want it. Is there anybody in the room that would say, man, if you're telling me all I gotta do is honor this Jesus, this this king who gave his life for me, man, that's easy, include me right now. I need all the grateful people and honorable people to take about 30 seconds right now and with everything you got, give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on, not like a conference response, but from a place of gratitude. We we worship you, Jesus we worship you Jesus we, we praise your holy name that there is nobody like you you are king and you are lord I, I wouldn't be here right now I, I would have lost my mind I, I would have lost it all but I'm only here because your grace is sufficient if there's anybody in the room that knows they are not healed because of skill but because of the grace of God turn it up just a little bit louder and give them a shout give them a shout hallelujah God Hallelujah God. Hallelujah God. It is imperative that if we're gonna if we're gonna just lean into tonight, that we're gonna start right. You always start with honor. Honor is what sets you up for breakthrough. And this is why I'm gonna encourage you to honor your Lord, and then I'm gonna encourage you to honor your pastors. Is anyone grateful for their pastors? Come on, can we thank God right now for Pastor Chris and Vanessa? Come on, just honor them right now. We honor you. We, we thank God for you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you all. It's a complete and absolute honor. And let me just teach you something real quick. I know we're just getting to know each other, but I'm from Queens, New York, so I'll just say it as it is. For the one that gets that struggles with that part right there, You might be thinking, well, why are we celebrating? Man, it's only about Jesus. And you say things like that, thinking they sound real spiritual. And you would be right, except you'd be wrong. (laughs) Because theology teaches us that when you make much of a man or woman of God, what you're doing is coming into agreement with the choices of God. So when you say, God, I thank you for my pastors, what you're saying is, God, I thank you for the choice that you made in giving me this man and this woman, and God, I honor your choices. And when you come into agreement, you come into alignment with the choices of God. So when I say, God, I thank you for the choice that you made in making Pastor Chris and Vanessa the overseers of this house, he gets glory from that. So if you struggled with it before, hopefully that description helps you a little bit. Can we honor them one more time? we honor you. We honor you. Go on ahead and grab your seat, grab your seat, grab your seat. I am uh, I'm ecstatic to be here. If, if we've not met, let me just share with you. I, I get to travel the world preaching and teaching the gospel. I'm 40 years old and I've spent my entire adult life and full-time ministry. And one portion of my life, I served as a youth and young adult pastor. Overseeing a ministry in New York called Misfit. Then after that, I served as an executive pastor. Then a senior pastor. And now in this season of my life, I serve as a teaching pastor for about five different churches around the country. And in between those, those moments, I get to teach and preach the gospel to incredible churches like this one. Along with that, along with that, I get to serve as the chaplain for the Brooklyn Nets which means I get to be a pastor to them, I get to love on them, I get to encourage them, and it's an absolute honor that I get to do that. Also, here's something new that uh, just the Holy Spirit opened up for us and called us to. We started something in New York called Soho Bible Study. And, And if you know New York at all, Soho is in downtown Manhattan. It's where all our art is, where all our shopping is. A lot of great restaurants, a very exclusive area. And friends of ours reached out and said, hey, would you use our salon for a Bible study? So we started using this second floor loft. On Monday nights in Soho, and so far we've had four gatherings. We've already seen 56 people get saved, and it's been mind-blowing. It's it's mind-blowing. We we have our next one coming up in February. 700 people have RSVP'd. We had to shut down the RSVPs for that, and it's in February 18th. The next one after that is in March, and we already have almost 300 people registered for that. And we're just blown away by what God is doing. Now, I only mention all of that to ask for a favor. You're like, we just met. You're going to ask me for a favor? If you ever remember me beyond this moment, would you pray? Just pray a prayer of blessing over me and and my family because I have a beautiful family. I just celebrated 18 years of marriage this past November. I am married to a beautiful Colombian, German, Brooklyn-raised woman. Her name is Jairus. I have a son named Dylan who will be 17 years old in March and a daughter named Chloe who will be 14 on Tuesday. So you, you pray for us. You pray for us. Please pray for us. And and here's my promise. Here's my commitment to you. Every time I remember you, I'll pray for you. I'll pray blessings over you and favor over you. Every time I text and chat with Chris, I promise I'm going to pray over you. Is that fair? Who's ready for this word? If you have your Bibles, you could open up with me to the book of Exodus. If you don't have your Bible, that's more than fine. But here's going to be my challenge to you. Can everyone pull out something to take notes with? Just pull out something to take notes with. I believe it is beneficial that we be students of the Word of God. And anytime the Word of God is preached, the best thing we could do is take notes. Not because what we're saying is so clever, but if the Holy Spirit says something to you, you want to be able to retain it. That's what you call being a good steward of what it is that God's doing. I find so often we'll say, Holy Spirit, speak to me, and then he'll speak, and then we won't steward it by writing it down as if it was just it was just what was supposed to happen. I want to be a good steward of the Word of God. Amen. Exodus chapter 3, this is a pretty famous portion of scripture. I'm going to be reading to you from the message translation, so it may read a little bit differently than than your Bible, but that's okay. This is what the Bible says. It says, Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the west end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God, Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire blazing out of the middle of a bush. He looked. The bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. I love that the Bible says he looked. Because the fact that there is a bush on fire in the desert actually was not uncommon. It was actually pretty common because it would be so hot that these bushes would actually catch up in fire. But he paid attention to this one because there was something supernatural about it. I've learned in life, growing up in church my entire life, there could be moments that the supernatural is happening around me. But because I wasn't paying attention to it, I missed it. But the Bible says he looked. My prayer tonight is that we would have that kind of attention that we would be that type of attentive to whatever it is that God is doing that if someone is distracting us or talking to us we would tell man just leave me alone right now I need, I need to hear what the Holy Spirit might be saying through Pastor Chris he looked the bush was blazing away but it didn't burn up Moses said what's going on here I can't believe this amazing why doesn't the bush burn up God saw that he stopped to look God called to him from out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, yes, I'm right here. God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face afraid to look at God. God said, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. And now I have come down to help them, pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of the country and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. The Israelite cry for help has come to me and I've seen for myself how cruelly they've been treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people. The people of Israel out of Egypt. To which Moses answers by saying, but why me? He's in the middle of a desert with a bush that's on fire but not burning up and it's talking to him. And from the speaking bush God is obviously so desperate for the Israelites to be saved that he goes through these type of measures to get to the attention of Moses. And Moses' response is not, send me. It's not, I want to help my people. He's so self-consumed that his response Is why me? If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. I wanna speak to you from that question tonight. Why me? Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak. Show us about us what it is that you want to expose to us. Allow us to catch the mission and the vision of what it is that you wanna do in this area through this church and in our lives that we would be sensitive to what it is that you were trying to say in the precious and matchless name of Jesus if you agree can you shout amen 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 amen, amen. let me take you back to school real quick uh, does anyone ever does anyone remember the five w's come on you use the five w's every time you had to write a report Every time you had to do current events, you use the five W's. Every time you sermonize or you read the Bible, you, we use the five W's. Who knows what the five W's are? Who, what, when, where, why. Who, what, when, where, and why. We ask who to learn the person speaking or spoken to or the persons introduced in the narrative. We ask what to learn the incidences or statements of the material we're reading. We ask when to learn the date of the actions taking place. We ask where to learn the place or locality. And then finally, we ask why. We ask why to learn the applications and uses of the lesson teachings. In my opinion, why is the most interesting question out of the five it is the most provocative question out of the five the other four will give you details that are pretty boring but when you ask why you start speaking to intent you start speaking to reasoning why, why, why why did you make that decision why did you make that purchase why do you go to that church why do you hang out with them why are you still dating him why did you end up marrying her why Here's another pretty famous why question. Why did you break up with me? To which we all know the most common response to that question is, it's not you, it's me. Come on, that's a, that's a response that'll get you slapped right there. It's not you, it's me and ironically the answer to that why question is actually the answer to our why question that the Holy Spirit is responding to you tonight because as you have been thinking as you have been contemplating as you have been trying to battle through all the thoughts the anxiety and decisions why God would use you the Holy Spirit is telling you it's not you it's me and you're over here saying why me why do you want to use me why are you anointing me why are you giving me me these visions? Why won't won't you let me sleep at night? Why won't you get that person out of my mind? Why is it that you keep giving me that idea? Why are you giving me that heart for a new generation? Why are you giving me a heart for prisoners? Why are you giving me a heart to start that business? And the Holy Spirit is saying, friend I love you. Son, I love you. Daughter I love you. But if you want to have this conversation, let's be clear about something. I am using you but it's not about you. It's not you. It's me and me being the Holy Spirit I want to fall on you and I want to fill you and I want to work through you it's not about you you're just the means to the ends. you are the vessel in which I want to work through because when I work through you people knowing you where you come from where you made mistakes but the fact that I delivered you I brought you through when you should have went crazy you're here right now when your marriage should have broke up you're stronger than ever when you should have died in that accident. When you should have lost your mind two years ago, five years ago, but you're here right now and you're able to stand and you're able to worship and you're able to give him a shout. I mean, is there anybody in the room with a testimony? Is there anybody in the room that could have a memory of a victory? What God did? By the grace of God, I need all those people that have not forgotten all the ways in which God kept you, delivered you, and brought you out to take about 30 seconds, lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and with everything you've got, give them a shout. One, two, three, go. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember who you used to be? do you remember you were once broken you were once lost but now you're found you were once blind but now you see you were once deaf but now you hear you were once bible illiterate now you're in love with your bible you you were once questioning marriage now your spouse is your best friend you, you didn't grow up with the father but now you have the privilege of being a father you, you grew up in a broken home but look at the home that God has given you am I the only one that's aware of all the different ways that God saved me come on I need to grateful people to teach all the ungrateful people how to praise in this place grateful people worship him like you lost your mind he says if I could get you to remember where you were what was happening then it would make sense to you why I would want to use you because the fact of the matter is it's not you it's me but here it is but I want you you need a first point there it is God wants you God wants you he- he wants you. Why? Because he loves you. He he wants you. Why? Because he designed you. He he wants you. Why? Because he didn't just create you to create you. And regardless of what a parent has said to you, and regardless of what your insecurities say to you, and regardless of what a peer said to you, God was intentional when he designed you. Regardless of your backstory, regardless of what you heard growing up, I want you to elevate your mind tonight, and I want you to hear another truth. I want you to hear the actual truth. God puts you to together bit by bit piece by piece in your mother's womb and when he designed you he didn't just design you he designed you with destiny he fashioned you with grace and mercy he says I am breathing purpose into my son I am breathing purpose into my daughter and I created you for such a time as this son I want you that's a revelation that will change everything Because there are people in the room that want God but are unsure if he wants you and you struggle with this revelation of grace. You, you struggle with this understanding. Why would God love somebody like me? He says, because I set it up that way. I, I love you. I, I love you. I, I love you for the one that's struggling, whether or not God loves them or not. This is the moment where you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to, and to clear out the gutter of your heart and get all that soot and get all that garbage and get all that toxic thinking out because your insecurities are lying to you. and this is the moment where you push your insecurities aside and you allow the word of god to wash over you you allow a romans 12 moment to happen the renewing of your mind understanding that you are loved you are chosen and you were created for such a time as this god wants you that's why he won't leave you alone that's why he doesn't just meet you at an altar it's why he doesn't just meet you at a church he meets you where he meets you has anyone ever had a God encounter outside of church has anyone ever been in the supermarket or you were hanging out with friends or you were trying to sin in the club you couldn't even sin right you went down to twerk and you came up praying why because he wants you he sees you and he knows where to find you some of you are laughing too hard you're like that's my story that's my story (laughs) you know what I love so much about this story I love that Moses is in the in the in the backside of a mountain which by the way what's a backside of a mountain right like isn't it round like how do you know the backside but the Bible says he's in the backside of a mountain And that's where God finds him. Finds him? Now I have issue with that phrasing because to find him would suggest that he lost him. To find him would suggest that he didn't know where he was. But yet, that's the moment that he spoke to him. Which ought to be encouraging to you. Because the fact is God's not looking for you. He's looking after you he sees where you are and he will know how to get word to you if he wants to speak this is imperative to understand because there are some of you that are dying for a word from God come on church people you're like I ain't get a word all 2023 but it's 2024 give me a word that rhymes with 2024 2024 open door is that my word like you're trying to figure it out I'm looking over at my guy, Al, because he actually made that joke and I just stole it from him in real time. (laughs) Like I laugh at my own joke. Anyway. um, (laughs) Moses got a word on the backside of a mountain. It's one way to look at it. Here's a better way to look at it. Moses got a word while he was stewarding what he was already given. There are some of you that are waiting for a word in order to be obedient. God says, start being obedient and I'll give you a word. Like if you have a child, you don't need a word in order to be a father. Hey, I, I love the young fathers by the way that are like that, that will post on social media right they got like a five week old and they want everyone to know that they changed a diaper you know what I mean that mom has been taking care of that baby doing everything on social media talking about yeah I'm babysitting um, when the child is yours it's not babysitting it's parenting <laughs> that's a whole word for somebody right there some, some wife just smacked her husband you hear that Playing video games, waiting for a word. There, there, there are people, there are people. <laughs> Too far? Okay, my bad, I'll back up. I just think after a certain age, we just need to cool out on the child games. I just That was over here. Okay, my bad. I got you, my bad. She, she shouted though, she calling you out. spoke to him while he was stewarding what he was given. I've learned that in certain churches, I hope this is okay. In churches like this one, churches that look really nice, churches that have great speakers and worship teams, the ministry piece becomes very attractional. And because the ministry is done at such a high level, like it is, and as it should, there are people in the audience that start looking at the stage, trying to figure out, how do I get up there? Why'd they bring in that New Yorker to preach? I could have did it. They start looking at it, but, but they're the same people that ain't never helping the church before. They won't help clean up. They won't help with small groups. There's a need in the youth ministry or the children's ministry or whatever other ministry. And they hear that and they go, I'm not really interested in that. And and what's frustrating about that is that you'll make ministry about your interest as opposed to the need like we don't serve where we want we serve where the need is and and they're the same people that will look as as stage in hopes to get a microphone but here's the thing that nobody says about a stage stages do not elevate they expose so if you get this stage and your character is not ready for it what you are gonna do is put on front street all of the immaturities that you've been hiding while you've been sitting in the audience Moses got a word while he was shepherding. I don't need to call you pastor in order for you to help the church move forward if you could just get around some sheep. I've also learned, I've also learned because we've learned how to do social media. I'm really letting my hair down. None of this is in my notes, by the way. I've really learned that in this day and age, we have people because of social media, they can prop up a camera and they could write a speech or they could steal someone else's speech and they can make it their own. I've been jacked before. And so they can make it their own. And they start sounding real good, but they never lived it. I've learned that there are people that talk real well about sheep, but the issue is they don't smell like them, and if you don't smell like a sheep, you have no place speaking about the sheep, so if you're the person saying, I'm looking for opportunity, I'm saying you're missing it because you've made it about a stage, and I don't know who this is for, but we got places in this house for you to serve, and if you want a word, I promise you, you get serving, the Holy Spirit will know where to find you, and he'll speak to you because you can either be backstage or on the backside of a mountain, and he will find you where you're at, and he will give you the word that you need. In fact, the promotion of Moses came while he was serving. And we don't do it for promotion, but my goodness, if there's a promotion with my name on it, I don't want to make it wait for me. What if he said, I ain't taking care of the sheep that day? What if he would have missed that moment? But because he was sensitive and he looked, he was able to look because he was serving. You know what I love about serving? Serving is a spiritual gift that each and every one of us can obtain. When when Paul lists out all the different, all the different ways, says if you have the gift of prophecy, then prophesy. And if you were to read that same verse in the same line, it then says, but if you have the gift to serve, then serve. Paul puts prophecy and serving neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder. It puts it on the same playing field. And yet if you grew up or if you're a part of like we are a charismatic church, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, a charismatic church. And man, we highlight the prophet and we minimize the servant. But God talks about prophecy and serving hospitality in the same way I've also learned if you had a church full of prophets that would be chaotic <laughs> right imagine everybody a prophet somebody's gonna say thus saith the Lord go over here and someone else is gonna say no thus saith the Lord I didn't say that go over there and there's gonna be all these all these different words so here's the truth not everyone could be a prophet but everyone could be a servant Everyone can help with some sheep. Man, I don't even know what got into me. I'm telling you. I think maybe it's because it's midnight my body clock. I'm just really letting my hair down. Letting my hair down? You're a man. What are you saying? Sorry. God wants you. And he knows where to find you. He knows how to get your attention. He, He wants you. My encouragement is that you be positioned... Where where he's looking, he finds you. I never want to be where I shouldn't be. I want to be exactly where I'm supposed to be. If God called me here, I want to be here. If he didn't call me over there, I don't want to be over there. And I just get the sense tonight that there are people that you're in the room, but you're not in the right place. You should be serving, you're not. You think your attendance is enough. We're glad you're here. The issue is you're here, but there's a piece of you missing. Because a house or a home divided against itself cannot stand. And for me and my home, we will serve the Lord. So we're glad you're here. But if you're going to be here, be here. Be all in. Serve. God wants you. Point two, write this down. You are God's way. You are God's way. You are God's way. What do you mean? You are the choice that God has made to use you are God's way. And I want to talk real quick to the person that deals with insecurity because you are fully aware of all of your mistakes and because you are fully aware of your shortcomings and because you are fully aware that you aren't as talented in a certain area as somebody else, you will question whether or not God even wants to use you or if you should even be used by God because you don't consider yourself talented enough or you don't consider yourself holy enough or you don't consider yourself uh, smart enough when it comes to the things of God. And with the Holy spirit is saying, son, daughter, you are the way that I want to use. You are the vessel, the appropriate vessel for such a time as this. You are the exact one that I want to use with your story, with your past, with all your mistakes, with every shortcoming that you have. I know you and that's why tonight I am calling you by name. That's what makes this moment so special. It's not that he was just a burning bush waiting for somebody to pass by. It was the fact that he said, Moses, Moses. And even though Moses was not sure who he was, God was sure who Moses was which tells me you don't even have to be fully as knowledgeable of God as you think you need to be in order for God to use you. God literally introduces himself to Moses in that moment. He doesn't just say, Moses, it's me, God. He has to give himself a full breakdown, an introduction of who he is, Moses. Moses, I am the Lord, your God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is literally schooling Moses, and yet he does not wait for Moses to become more acquainted with him in order for him to be purposed by God. There are some of you that think that you don't know enough yet, and God is saying, Are you kidding me? If you knew as much as you wanted to know, you would make it about you. But I like using the foolish things, I like using the, the unchurched, I like using the unschooled. I'm not telling you not to get an education. I'm saying, but whatever education you currently have, it's enough. I want to use you. Is there anybody in the room that would say, I know I'm not the best? I know I'm not strong enough, wise enough, smart enough, but I've had some moments where God used me, and I know it had nothing to do with me. All praise, all glory to King Jesus. All those people, give them a shout real quick. See, when you hear your name, you hear your history. When God says your name, he's talking about your future. When you hear your name, you are reminded of where you come from. You are reminded of your mistakes. You're reminded of your shortcomings. So, so Moses, Moses, Moses—all the insecurities are running through his mind. He he didn't grow up like everybody else. In fact, he grew up in an Egyptian home when he was an Israelite. So he had this he had this moment of an identity crisis. He's 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 dealing with imposter syndrome because his people are enslaved and he's there living a life of luxury in front of him, and yet some way he escaped so when he hears his name he's not even proud this is why he's hiding in the desert God says Moses Moses with everything that comes with your name I'm fully aware Moses Moses I want to use you I want to use you. I want to use you. He's not ashamed of your name. He, he wants to use you. He, he knows you got he made mistakes. He, he knows you failed time and time again. But he says, if you just make yourself available to me, I'll be able to use you where you're at. This is why I love this verse. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, Paul writes this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, you all because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel you all are partakers with me of grace he says being confident some of you are so insecure that you're not able to step out in God and God says if you just trust me even with your insecurity you don't need a new life you need a new perspective you don't need the the grass over there. The grass where you're at is just fine. I'm trying to help you to get your confidence back. The Holy Spirit wants to restore that in you. He wants to restore that confidence tonight. He says, He says, I want you to be confident. And here's how much. Here's how I know it. Look at this. You all are partakers with me of what's that last word? Grace. L- let's let's say it out loud. What's it? Grace. You know what's so interesting about that word here in this verse in Philippians 1, verse, uh, verse 7? Grace here in the original language actually means the grace to do. This is the grace to do. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, I'm confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in all of us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So in other words, because he has called us, he's also going to equip us. So when he says, you all are partakers with me of grace, you may read this and think of the word grace, this unmerited favor. And that's exactly what it is. But this translation of the verse would be the, the unmerited ability to overcome, to partake, to accomplish, to do. So when you hear your name and you're hearing all of your shortcomings, what you're doing is making it about you. If it was in your own strength, you wouldn't complete it. But because you have the grace to do, you will complete it. Until when? Until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until we're spending eternity with him. But on this side of heaven, the Holy Spirit will give you the grace to what? The grace to do. Point three. God wants you his way. So God wants you. You are God's way. God wants you his way. Here's what I love about the gospel. It says, come as you are. But after we come as we are, we don't stay as we are. He elevates us. He, he matures us. He, he grows us. He, he allows our thinking to shift. He allows our behaviors to change. He says, you don't have to come to me perfect, but when you come to me, I'll perfect you. It's a big difference. He says, if you come to me and you offer yourself to me as a living sacrifice, I will start cutting away and chopping away and molding you and shaping you into the man and to the woman that I've called you to be. I honestly... Preach this message knowing that I was going to get to this part. In fact, you could ask the media team. I changed my message in the last song of worship. The Holy Spirit said, the the message you came with, I don't want you to speak. I want you to go to this message. I haven't looked at these notes in forever. And the Holy Spirit told me that you need to get to this part here because what I want to do in in this house, in in this house, I have a very specific way that I want to do it. And in order for it to be done, the people of the house have to be comfortable with the challenge. So when he says, Moses, step into my presence, but take off your sandals, notice that there's no offense. There are some of us that when we're asked to do something, we're offended by it. We're offended to step in because we want what we want. So we want to step into the presence of God while holding on to every aspect of who we are. God says, if you're going to step into my presence, I need you to obey and trust that whatever I'm telling you to leave outside of my presence, you actually don't need it. What's so beautiful about God telling Moses to step into my presence, but taking off your sandals, he might have thought that he needed the sandal in order to be safe standing in a fire. But he says, take off your sandals, step into my presence. And he's able to step into the presence of God without being burned. You will take things with you. Thinking that you need it in order to accomplish what the grace to do will allow you to do if you were just to trust him. Okay, so you think you need that relationship in order to be ready to be used by God. You think you need a certain amount of money in the bank in order to be used by God. You think that you need to keep listening to that music or, or or doing those things or hanging out with those people and there's a boundary that God is creating with you so that he could teach you how to create boundaries in your own life. See, Christians will say things spiritual like, well, we have to love everyone and you should love everyone, but you have to love them endlessly With a boundary. You can't allow everyone to step into your life as they are. Well, you can, but if you do, you'll be trampled. Says step in but take off. Step in but take off. And he says, Let me tell you who I am. He says, Moses. I'm the God of your father, the father of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Let me tell you what's going on. There are people, they're enslaved, and they're in bondage. And I want you to go to them, and I want you to help them. Moses is so consumed with himself, he doesn't mind taking off his sandal But he had an issue parting with his ego. How could he hear that there are people enslaved? And that does not break his heart enough to say, God, I'll go. If you'll use somebody like me, I'll do it. And yet after God. God explains everything to Moses. Moses says, why me? And then God has to go and explain. And then Moses, still in his insecurity, he's like, all right, God, but if I go, who do I say that you are? He says, tell them I am. Okay, but if I go and I say I am, who is I am? He says, no, 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 tell them that I am sent you. And what is so powerful about this moment, this is that famous moment where he says, I am that I am. In other words, I am enough. You might not be, but I am. I am that I am i am tell me more about you don't tell i don't need to tell you anything else about me about me i am enough i am who i am you're a perfectionist so you want to know all the details what i'm telling you is there's an element of faith that you're that is going to help you through this moment and what you have to understand is that who i am is enough to lead you and guide you in the new testament there's this moment where Jesus is betrayed. Have you read this part before in the Bible? The soldiers come to to arrest Jesus. This is the moment, by the way, where Judas publicly betrays Jesus, kisses him on the cheek. But before that moment, they walk into the garden where Jesus is, and they say, which one of you is Jesus? They knew who Jesus was. They wanted Jesus to identify himself. Well, if you read the Bible, you would notice in the scriptures that when Jesus says, I am he, the Bible says that all the soldiers and the disciples fall down. They say, where's Jesus? And he says, I am he. And the enemy falls down. And the people of God fall down. Because there's so much power in his presence. And now we get a picture of the future where it says, every knee shall bow. And then they, they get their composure. And because they're missing it. Because they're not looking. They're watching, but they're not looking. They're not paying attention to the miracle because if they were where in that moment and they understood, oh my goodness, who is this man that by announcing himself, none of us could even stand in his presence, I would have switched sides right then and there. I would have said, I'm coming with you guys. I ain't even messing with this anymore. But because they're not paying attention, it's amazing how you could be in the middle of a miracle and miss it because you're so focused on what you want as opposed to what God is actually doing. So they get their composure, they stand back up and they say, where is this Jesus? And then he says again, I am he and then again both fall down well do you know that the actual translation of when Jesus says I am he he actually says I am and then he says again I am and it is the same term used When God announces himself to Moses and do you know not in any other part of the Bible is that term used again but we have it in the Old Testament with Moses and then we have it in the New Testament with the disciples so imagine Moses is not even aware of the miracle that he's in when God says I am that I am the presence that is there but he's missing it here it is because he's so consumed with himself If you look at your city and your heart does not break, there is something broken in your spirit. You know not everyone in this community is saved, right? You know there's still lost people out there? You know there's a whole lot of broken homes out there? You know there are gambling addicts out there? You know there are people still pumping things into their veins, just just a few feet away. By the way, you know there's a whole lot of people that that think that there is no love, that there is no savior, that God doesn't love them, and now they're living on the street, or they're joining gangs, or they're selling their body, or they're voluntarily allowing themselves to be trafficked. And it's right outside our walls. And what the Holy Spirit is saying: there's a whole lot of people enslaved out there. But I need you to get over you and get consumed with me so that we can get to them he's saying son daughter I am who I am and I want to use you because I love them but if you make this about you you'll miss out on the one that's speaking to you and if you miss out on the one that's speaking to you then you'll miss out on the people he's trying to get you to. I'm trying to tell you that that, that social media is not going to cut our evangelism we can repost a graphic all we want but let's talk about the nitty gritty relationship loving our neighbor whether they're the, the bodega, or Starbucks, or the restaurant, or the person that frustrates us, because the person that frustrates you, God still has his eye on him or her we'll make it about us God said this is not about you it's about them because of me, but I want to use you Because I want to get to them. But if you don't graduate in your spirituality, you'll stay stuck on you. In this selfie-consumed generation that makes everything about them. That we have to make services comfortable in order for people to show up. We have to make church feel a certain way. And you have to understand I am the person, I love design. I love aesthetic. I love pushing the ball down the field and making sure that we're doing church in such a way that we can reach anyone and everyone. But that's it. In order to reach anyone and everyone, it takes everyone who professes to be a believer. And why are there so many believers? they don't even evangelize or share the gospel because they're embarrassed you don't trust your ability to talk my guy moses had a speech impediment and god said exactly with your stuttering on i'll use your stuttering mouth to allow stumbling people to find their way to me Moses had a, had a roadblock because he was insecure. While I was sitting over there, the Holy Spirit said, You need to preach this message because there are people in the room that have a roadblock, and they think because of that roadblock, they can't step out onto the path that I have for them. You ready? We're going to go a little bit deeper. Because for some of you, it's insecurity. Others of you, it's embarrassment. Embarrassment that if anyone knew what you were struggling with, you counted yourself out because of the secret sin that you've allowed to take place in your life. Your wife doesn't know about it. Your husband doesn't know about it. Peers don't know about it. They don't know you got a gambling problem. They don't know you have a porn addiction. They don't know that you've been drinking again. They don't know that you've been taking those painkillers. They don't know that you've been, you've been hanging out in spaces. You say you're at work, but you're really somewhere. They, they don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit's saying, son, daughter, I want you. You are my way. But I want you my way. So I don't know what you have to take off. whatever it is that you have to take off it's worth it to get to his presence because in actuality you're not losing anything but you're gaining everything there's this verse First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 it says for God bought you with a high price. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. A couple weeks ago, months ago actually, I was, uh, I was headed to preach North Carolina. And I was sitting, we were on a small plane, and I was sitting in my seat and just a few rows up was this man sitting in the very first seat of the plant, first class. Yeah. And he's sitting there, and he has his dog with him. Now, this was a dog that wasn't just his pet. It was his support animal. So he wasn't going to allow anyone to take the dog him. He's sitting in the first seat of the plane. Stewardess comes over and says, I apologize, sir, but you can't sit here with your dog. If we had any open seats, we would put you somewhere else in first class, but there are no more open seats, and you can't sit here with your dog. And they said, But we have some seats in the back of the plane. And we'll be happy to refund you. But the truth is, when you purchased the ticket and you told the airline that you had a support animal, somebody should have told you that you couldn't sit here with that animal. So they go on to say, We'll give you a refund. And he said, I don't want a refund, I want what I paid for. I hear the Holy Spirit say tell them that I bought them at a high price so the word of the Lord is I don't want a piece of you I don't want a discount version of you when it comes to you I want what I paid for God spent Jesus on you God spent Jesus on you He does not want a piece of your life. He does not want the Sunday version of your life. He wants your whole life. He wants your whole being. He wants your mind, your body, and your soul. He wants your Sunday morning and your Monday evening. He wants your Wednesday afternoon and your Friday nights. He wants you on holidays and he wants you on regular days. He wants you in public and he wants you in private. He wants you when the church people are around and he wants you when the non-believers are around. He says I want all of you. I want the secret parts of you. I want the insecure parts of you. I want the embarrassed parts of you and that sin that you've been you've been hiding, that's not allowed. But we're not going to have this conversation because I don't have another seat for you What I have for you is right in my presence And if you're going to try to bargain with me The part of you that I get I'm telling you it's either all or nothing Because I spent my son on you And the fact of the matter is I want what I pay for You've been struggling with insecurity you've been struggling with doubt you've been struggling with sin you've been struggling with shame i don't know who you are but i got this sense that there's a good amount of people in the room that this word is hitting on and if that's you stand to your feet we're not going to play any games stand to your feet great no nope, no clapping thank you though no clapping you're standing get to this altar get to this altar I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what position you have at the church. I don't care how long you've been doing this thing. Just come to this altar. Put your head up, by the way. Don't be ashamed. Put your head up. You're you're amazing. You're incredible. Thank you so much. Come to the middle. Come to the middle. Let's fill it up. Just come over here. Yeah, you get a little bit closer. Get a little bit closer. All of you that are coming, I want you to lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands. Can I get you to lift both hands? I don't want you to feel no shame. I don't want you to feel no shame. says, I love you. Son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. I know what you're struggling with. I know you're overwhelmed, but we're going to get through this. I'm going to work with you. My grace is sufficient. I don't treat you as your sins deserve. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's going to be your testimony. You're about to overcome. That thing is going to break off for of you. That mindset is going to break off for of you. That addiction is going to break off for of you. That insecurity is going to break off for of you. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. The rest of you. My, my guess is that the rest of you are in the right place with God. So I'm just going to make that assumption. If you're good with God, stand to your feet as well and stretch out your hands towards this altar. And then worship team, here's what I want you to do. You were, you were singing a song. I don't know your name, but you were singing a song before can you just sing that over us? But as you're singing that chorus over us, I don't want you guys to sing it in unison. I just want you to begin to worship. We're gonna we're gonna fill this room with faith. Is that okay? I mean, this is, this is straight up ministry time right here. So just sing that over us. And I just want you to, if you speak in other tongues, speak in other tongues. But I just want you to fill this atmosphere with worship. And I need any pastors or leaders, I need you to come around. We're gonna start praying with people. And this is gonna be a moment. This isn't just gonna be a moment that we get in and get out. We're about to do some work right here there's there's some buyback right here God's going I'm getting all of you and it's going to get a little bit messy and you're going to feel a little bit overwhelmed and you might even cry that's okay give me all of it because I want to work with it so as you lead us as you sing over us and you fill this room with faith we're just going to start praying with people in this place